don't know how I'm so lucky to have such incredible people on this podcast, but today I'm interviewing Amy and Jess. So it's two different women on two Zoom calls. So there's a little bit of overlap. So be patient with us with the audio. But these girls were on Good Morning America the day before this interview. I know. But these incredible women are talking about friendship, a subject we need to talk about more. They have so much good advice about what it takes to make good friendships, how it's kind of like dating, but even more awkward. They are the authors of the brand new book, I'll Be There, But I'll Be in Sweatpants. You can tell by titling their book a crazy title like that. They are fun. You're going to love this episode. Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I was your typical heartbroken and hungover sorority girl who looked for love in boys, Bacardi, and did I mention boys? After the breakup that broke me, I met the only man who can truly fulfill me. His name is Jesus. Shortly after that, I met my husband, the best example I have met of Jesus on this earth. Today, I have never been more sure I am right where I'm supposed to be on a mission to help today's young women find their life calling, stop dating dirtbags, and basically just be who I needed when I was younger. I've been called a big sis, an adopted mom, or my favorite title, a cool aunt. But however you think of me, get ready to be challenged and encouraged. This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Hello, friends. I have two friends with me today. This is Amy. Say hello, Amy, so we can get the voice. Hi. Hi, there's Amy and Jess. Hey. Hey. You'll get to know more in here in just a minute, but Amy and Jess are experts, although they probably wouldn't say that. They at least wrote a book and have a lot to say and created a sisterhood online about making friendships. They have so much to offer. And I feel like this is a conversation that we need to talk about more. What does it look like to make friends as an adult? It's easy when you're four on the playground, but what about when you're not four anymore? So welcome to the podcast, Amy and Jess. Thank Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yes. I love your story of how this whole thing started. So tell us about how you met and how this whole bad boy got its birth. Well, Jess and I both have our own blogs as well. So we were writing separately, had no idea. Well, we we followed each other and we were in a writing group and I really admired Jess. I liked the way she wrote. I liked the way she approached it. So I like, I slid into her DMs one day and I just slid in there. (laughs) And I was just like, hey, I love what you're doing. I love the way you do it. You seem cool. I like you. I mean, it was just very like, I like you. I'd love to work together someday or just get to know you more. And it just kind of went from there. And so we went from chatting on Instagram to phone calls and phone conversations. And then we started Sister I Am With You, honestly, like on a whim. That was just this wild idea that we just started. And we had no idea where it was going to go. And then and then we met in real life. And thank goodness we did like each other in real life, too. <laughs> okay, so what were you writing on separately? Well, Amy had her own page, Amy Weatherly. And I had a page called um, Wonder Oak, which I've now renamed Jess Johnston. I was kind of doing the mommy blogger thing, like keeping it real, talking about friendship sometimes also. And Amy was blowing up the internet with her posts. I don't even know what I was writing about. I just, I kind of, I accidentally got put into this world. Like it was not a, there was not a big strategic thing there. It happened accidentally for me. So I didn't have some big plan of like, I don't know. I mean, I started off, I did talk about motherhood some, and then quickly I was like, I don't want to talk about motherhood anymore. Cause I don't know what the, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. 
<laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I love my kids so much, but like, what is happening? And then, so I just started talking about insecurity and people pleasing and I don't know, kind of just, I don't know, just kind of. And then it morphed into this sister, I am with you and the book on friendship and so many different things. And so you've yeah. kind of found your niche talking about friendships and it's such an important topic. You know, I was talking to some friends the other day, you, you mentioned sliding to your DMs, but it is a lot like dating when you're grown up. Yes, it absolutely is. Yeah. There are less rules. So it's, it's to me, it's weirder than dating. Cause when you're yeah. dating, when do you, when do you define the relationship? You yeah. never define the relationship in a friendship. There is no clear beginning and there's usually no clear ending. There's no like conversation of like, Hey, just wanted to let you know, it's not you. It's me. <laughs> yeah, totally. We're like, there's no conversation. We typically just ghost each other. And we're like left wondering like, oh, whoa, 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 what happened? What did I do wrong? What is, go- what is going on here? I thought I clearly misread the situation. I mean, there's, it's so much like dating, except for I think weirder because we expect it in dating. You expect that they're going to eventually ask for your phone number. You expect them to ask you on a date. But like in friendship, well, it's weirder. It's more awkward. It's so true. So it's so true. Dating is, I mean, you know, this whole friendship thing, kind of like dating. I remember we first moved and I met a a mom friend at the gym and it's kind of like, is it too soon to ask for her number? Like, how do we do this? You know? Yes. So what have you found? What do y'all talk about? Like, how do you help people find authentic friendships? Amy always says, you should give her your aerial line. It's a good one. Oh, was I yelling just then? I can't tell. No, you're good. No, you're good. I always tell people that really the first step, and if you're an introvert, I'm like a mix between an extrovert and an introvert. But when I'm an introvert, I'm like, I can, I always call it like being like an avocado where like I'm out for a little bit and I'm like, yes, this is so fun. I'm ready to party. But then like I can feel myself turning to mush and I get brown and yucky and I'm like, okay, I'm done. It is time to go home and recharge. So I can be really introverted. But the first step I think is you really have to play it like Ariel and be where the people are. Like you have to go out and find, nobody's going to come to your door and build a friendship with you and knock on your door and be like, hey, I saw your house and I was hoping that you would want to hang out with me. That should not, that hopefully doesn't happen. (laughs) Be very scary. Weird. Yeah. So you have to go where people are. You're going to have to go out there. You're going to have to join the club. You're going to have to join the group. You're going to have to go to the park. Or I remember when I moved, I moved to this town and we've lived here for almost 10 years now. So we've been here for a while. But when I first moved here, literally knew zero people, zero people, none, none. And I used to laugh and I would (laughs) go home and tell my family and they're like, so do you have any friends yet? And I'm like, nope, (laughs) nope. I keep talking to people, but they're not talking back. <laughs> and I used to laugh and I would tell them, I was like, I am this close to making a sign that says, please be my friend. I will let you pick the restaurant and like just standing outside with it. I mean, like, would anybody like to be my friend? Because I didn't know how to, they know how to form this, but the first step is just really getting out there, letting it be awkward and letting it be weird and kind of taking the risk. Yeah, I would say making the first step. Like I was always waiting for some like I'm like, well, if they like me, if I am cool enough for them, they will invite me to their house for dinner or they'll ask me to join in on girls' night or whatever. But I realized that I had to be the one to 
be the awkward one. And then at, when I was the awkward one and I w- would invite someone to go to coffee or whatever, kind of out of the blue, like, hi, I am Jess. I saw you over there looking cool with your kids. Would you like to come hang out with me and my kids? Like when I started doing that, I realized, oh my gosh, everybody feels awkward about it. It's not that they don't like me. It's that they, it's weird. It's hard to just go randomly invite somebody to do something or introduce yourself or whatever. It's it's awkward. You're right. It's so true. And especially, you know, we both mentioned moving like that's, and so many, you know, a lot of our listeners are graduating or, you know, moving somewhere for the first time. And that's so real. And even like different stages of life, like I was so-and-so the college student, but now I'm so-and-so the human resource manager or whatever. And then like, if you now those natural rhythms of meeting people in your classes or sorority or whatever are not there. And so it's up to you to do it, but nobody talks you to, I mean, yeah, no one tells you that before you become a grown up. And those, those years between, I'm going to say like 24 to probably like 29 were rough friendship wise. Those were some really rough years because I guess because you're transitioning to seeing people all the time and constantly, it's just natural to being like, oh, but you're also, I mean, if that was, I had a hard time. Yeah, yeah I, I did too. Very hard. I was very, me, I was starting out in motherhood. So you're just like hitting whatever these big transitions are and you're becoming a different person. You don't even recognize yourself anymore. And it's it's hard to keep up connections. Yeah, I think that's good though. Just identifying that it is awkward, and everyone says it's awkward. So yes. like, yeah, nothing like, wrong with it. right? Yeah, but the permission slip to be like, you see someone across the room, <laughs> you get the vibes <laughs> that you might want to be friends with them, right? <laughs> yeah, like hey, just, ask them to hang out. Just try and realize that you're most people. It's not going to work with most people. And, you know, we hate rejection. We are terrified of it. We're terrified of it because I think it like pings at our insecurity. It pings at those places that we already hurt when we get rejected. Sometimes I think it can feel like confirmation of like, oh, okay, well, I'm not good at this. And this confirms it. Oh, I was not built for friendship. And this confirms it. But the truth is you are, there's going to be some rejection that happens and it's okay. That's again, that happens to everyone, but to find the right people also means you will find the wrong ones first mm-hmm. and that it will be a whole series. And it's, and when they're the wrong people, that doesn't mean they're bad people. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It means you could be in a different stage of life. You could just be in two different places. It may be that they have like so much going on that they don't have the capacity for friendship. It's normally not a direct insult to you, yeah. you know? And I think it took me a really, really long time to learn that. It wasn't, it probably wasn't about me at all. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Yeah. I don't have to take it personally. Yeah. I shared this story once before, but when we first moved, there was a friend who, you know, you get, we have kids the same age. Like we both like to work out. Like I'm getting those vibes, you know, but she lived here her whole life. Her family's from here. She has a million friends. She's got a lot going on. And, you know, I asked her to hang out. It didn't work out. It was like probably four or five times. And, you know, you're like, am I embarrassing or is this, but I wasn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. But it ended up working out and we ended up being great friends and like our families do dinner together and stuff like it all worked out. But it's kind of that persistence of, you know, she just was legitimately busy. Yeah. 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 Most people are. That's the thing. Yeah. Most people are. Most people are. I think one of the keys to friendship and nobody talks about this because we think like, okay, well, when I'm looking for a friend, I want somebody that I get along with. I want somebody who is whatever. And that those are 
obviously you should get along with your friends. That is essential. (laughs) You should like who they are. But something that not anybody really talks about that I kind of shifted gears in what I was looking for a friend. And I started looking for people who needed a friend. Who needs a friend? Who does have an open spot? Who is, and it's it's chapter eight in the book is um, like called when you're on the outside. And that's what, who, who else is on the outside? Who else is not being invited to this, these mommy nights out? Who else isn't being invited? Maybe they need a friend. And that is where I found some really, really, really true and good connections. For me, that was key that I was not necessarily looking for the right thing because the, the people who make a good friend are normally people who need a good friend. Mm, that's good right there. Okay. So tell me about the book. I mean, where, like you guys are just so fun. You're mommy bloggers who (laughs) slid into each other's DMs, became besties, and then wrote a book together on friendships. I need to know more. Tell me all the deets. I think we just really connected over our own heartbreak and our own, when it came to friendship and our own stories and how important we're both super relational. We both really love our friends. And so it's just a priority to us and something we ended up talking about a lot. And we're also probably trying to define our own relationship. We're like, so I really like friends. Do you like friends? Do you want to be friends? Right. I don't know. <laughs> so, so, where, so where am I on your friend list? We're, I mean, talking, like, we're, like, we're talking a couple times a day. Am I, or is am I getting like a good friendship or like, you know, it was something that was really close to both of our hearts. And Amy just called me up one day and was like, Jess, I'm packing for a trip. I've done exactly five minutes of research. But I think that we need to start a page called Sister I'm With You and talk about everything friendship. And I don't think there's any other place like it. And I think women everywhere need it. Let's do it. And I was like, I am all in. I'm all in. And then it just kind of exploded, which we're both very enthusiastic. So Honestly, I was like, it's going to be so great. It's going to be huge. But then it it, <laughs> it exploded. I was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Yeah. Jess is just always said, and we are both enthusiastic, but just Jess is this very, is Jess, Jess thinks I'm more enthusiastic than I am. <laughs> she, doesn't, she, she doesn't remember those times that I was like, hey, Jess, bring it. Did you bring it down? Like a couple of like, I don't know if it's going to be that good. Yeah. Jess. Just, I, I was like, I mean, I think we need to be realistic about this. Like, <laughs> it might be good, but I those are um, some very high goals that let's <laughs> let's let's pick something attainable. I don't remember there was something where it was I don't remember what it was where you were like, Amy, I think we're going to hit a million followers in like less than a year, and I was like, Yeah, we're probably not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it did. It exploded. It just confirmed what we already knew. I mean, in our own hearts, we knew how important friendship and connection is. And so when it exploded, we're, it just confirmed like this is, a, this is a big thing for everybody. And so we just felt like there needed to be a book. Next step, there needs to be a book. There needs to be a roadmap to friendship that we could have used growing up. Like we need to, we need to create a book that's not just you should have friends, you should go find your friends, but actually gives real talks about it in a normalizing way. Like it's awkward for everyone. It's hard for everyone. And then gives real tools to create it and make it happen. 
Amazing. I'm sitting here at over a million followers in less than a year. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, okay. no, no, no. That was not in less than a year. It was, that was Jess's enthusiasm. That was Jess's enthusiasm was like, we're going to hit a million followers in less than a year. And I was like, no, we're, that's not likely to happen, Jess. But we <laughs> did hit a million followers in three years. Hey, it was still, well, we're still, we're well, still well, very excited. But not quite. Yes. But can no. I also can I also tell people this? Because I do. I, I want people to know this because I feel like especially in our age of social media, people get obsessed with followers and likes and, and all of that. <laughs> Jess and I genuinely we hit a million followers. We called each other on the phone. We were like, we did it. We hit a million followers. Okay, I'm going to go back <laughs> to doing laundry now. And you just go back to your normal life. So don't make that. It's not as cool as it sounds. And that's I mean, it is, but it's not. Yeah. That's never going to equal connection, right? No. So the connection that's happened through this whole thing has been you and me. Yes, and exactly. Like our friendship our, on yes. a real level. And obviously connecting with women who are like, I struggle too. I'm, you know, thank you for saying that. I thought I was the only one. Obviously that definitely builds a bridge and brings us all together. But getting no. a lot of followers on the internet is never going to feel like belonging or connection. No, no, there's like a, I mean, and we talk about that a lot in the book about how our culture is so obsessed with popularity and so obsessed and so convinced, so convinced. And I feel like, especially in my twenties was convinced that like, if I can just be invited to a lot of parties, if I can just have a lot of people like me, if I can be getting a lot of texts every day, I'm going to be fine. And then you find out that no, that's not really it. What I really want, what I really crave is to be truly known and truly seen and truly accepted for who I am. And that kind of relationship is only going to happen with a few people. It's only possible with a few. So it's, it's really not about being known by many. It's about being accepted as you are by a few. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind um, of fills your soul. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I know I'm thinking like millions of followers and it's cool and it's great and it's amazing. But yeah, like if you get sick, you know, are those millions of followers going to be there? No. Is that true? No. Is that intimate? Yeah. No, is that intimate? no. Yeah. And, and we're also, <laughs> you also become very aware of like cancel culture and like, we could say the wrong thing one time and we're going to have people furious at us, Yeah, you know, furious at us. So the million followers is cool that we're able to touch that many women. That is cool wow. that we're able to give that away. Yeah. But it's nothing like real friendship. It's Amen. nothing like those real life people. Nothing. Yes. Exactly. And, but like you said, it just shows the need for this and how we all crave authentic friendships. And we also have since the beginning of time, but talk to me about how this interesting time we live in where we are encouraged to be socially distanced from other humans and we are relational human beings, how that has affected what you guys are doing. It has absolutely just, what we've seen is women were already lonely and wanting to talk about friendship and connection. And I feel like when everything shut down, all the busyness, what we thought a lot before the pandemic was memes being shared like, I want you to invite me to the party. I'm not going to come, but I want you to invite me. Or I need you to understand that I'm never going to text you back, but I still love you. And kind of this flippant like thing. After things shut down, I saw a whole lot more like, I wish you could invite me again and I would come. Because everything was busy and crazy. We all had a lot of excuses for why we weren't able to maintain friendships. We're like, I mean, I've got 
this and this and this and this and this going on. But when everything slowed down, I think the loneliness ache was even harder to ignore. So if there was a disconnect, it became even more apparent. And I think we were so, I mean, I don't know. I was terrified. I mean, I was scared. Like I've got kids and I'm trying to explain to them what is happening and why they can't go back to school. And the truth is, I don't know. Are we ever going to be able to buy toilet paper again? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I've never seen this either, kids. I don't know exactly what's happening. And so those like angsty feelings sort of leaves a hole. And when those angsty, bad feelings hit, what you crave is connections with other people. You crave yeah, that. When you're really busy and you're going, 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 you don't even, I don't think you, you're even aware of that feeling. You can brush yeah. it off. You can ignore exactly. it. You can act like it's not there. You can pretend like you're happy because you're busy. But when you're really sad and you're really scared and you really don't understand things and you want to make sense of it all, you are going to want connections to help you. You're going to want other people to help you understand that. So it was like this big hole of like, crap, I really want people. But for the last five years, I've ignored them. For the last five years, I have not been working on my friendship, but I want them now. But the truth is, if you want them now, you had to have been working on it a long time ago. If you want those people showing up with food on your door, those relationships take time to build. Yeah. And so if you want friendships in five years, if you're going to want friendships, you better start building them now. You better start laying the foundation so that, and something, you know, me and my good friends, we talk about all the time, like we're going to go through hard stuff. Like none of us knows what is coming for any of us. And when we do go through that hard stuff, I want those friendships that have already been built and are already secure that they can weather those storms. But that doesn't just happen. You have to build them before. You have to lay the foundation before you actually need the roof over the house. You need the foundation. Yeah, for sure. So we are all coming off this time where we realize we need friendships. None of us are really good at it <laughs> and awkward <laughs> and all of that stuff. I love what you said, you know, earlier about just thinking about people who might also need friendships. That was really good. And then just starting those conversations. But I guess just like, you know, back to basics to get good friends, you have to be a good friend. So I guess some pointers on what it looks like to be a good friend. I say, be the kind of friend that you want to have. So whatever you would love, like, oh man, I wish I had someone that would drop off coffee on my front porch, or I wish I had someone who would check in on me, just see how I'm doing. Or I wish I had someone that would invite me on a girl's night. Just start doing those things. Be the kind of friend that you would want to have. Cause chances are there's other people out there that are also wishing and desiring that kind of friendship. Just be the initiator, start investing, invest, 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 and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. There was something I was thinking about at some point. I kept thinking, I don't like to plan things. I don't like to put myself out there. That's just not what comes naturally to me. And so I kept wondering at this stage of kind of feeling sorry for myself. And why does she, she gets asked to everything. She is at every girl's night. And then I realized it's because she planned the freaking girl's night. <laughs> she, of course she's always there because she mm -hmm. plans it. So I was like, there was like a moment of like, I think maybe if you, you plan it. Stop waiting for someone to invite you and plan it and just see what happens. And sometimes it worked out and sometimes it didn't. And that's okay too. But it's worth it in the end to just realize you don't have to wait around. That's so good. And it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, like no. we have, yeah, 
We found a place in town that has $1.50 tacos on Monday. And guess what? Every Monday, we invite friends to hang out with us. Yes. yes that's how awesome. to cook or clean and it's cheap. I mean, like yes. it's not complicated. Yeah. It does not have to be complicated. And another thing that you find is that, yes, there are some people who, if they're going to walk into your messy house and they're going to be like, oh, okay, well, this made me maybe wasn't what I like. You know, and, and, and you can, you'll get a feel for that, but there are people who are going to walk into your messy house, your messy life, and they're going to see you in your sweatpants. And instead of like gasping at your vulnerability, they're going to walk in and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, I, this is amazing. I feel so comfortable here. This feels, this feels like home. Thank you for letting me see your house, your life, you as you are, because now I know I can be myself too. Yeah. And it sort of opens the door to like just getting real. Yes. Has that been your experience too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, the first time my husband and I had an aha moment where young parents, life was crazy. I was just really, really busy with the kids. And we were sitting in our living room late one night and I turned off the TV and I just started bawling, honestly. Because I was like, I am just so lonely. And I don't even know where to find friends because my friendships had changed so much in all those transitions. People had moved. We'd really lost all those connections. And that is when we decided like, okay, we're going to invite people over once a week. We're just going to start investing in friendship. And it's going to be terrifying and weird, but we're going to do it anyways and just see what happens. So when I first started, like the first... We just basically walked up to people at church and we're like, hello, I am Jess. Would you like to come to my house for dinner? And I was like shocked that they're like, yeah, we'd love to. I'm like, what? Really? Okay. Shoot. I did not have a plan for that. (laughs) (laughs) At first, I was definitely like freaking out before people came over. I was like, we have never cleaned the baseboards ever. Why haven't we done that? Why are there fingerprints on the hallways? down the hallways. Why? What is this? What is this dirt? What is this? Like, they're not going to like us. So I was definitely freaking out and trying to make like this, like, perfect experience. But then as we got comfortable, I realized you don't need that. You don't need perfection. You don't need your clean baseboards. You don't need any of that. And I started texting the friends that we would, we're starting to get close to because we had them over once and they're like, Oh, Hey, actually, you're cool. Can you come over again? And I'd be like, hey, guys, I do not want to get dressed tonight. What about a sweatpants dinner? You guys want to come over in your sweatpants? And it was wonderful. So, yeah, there was, you know, and we think it's going to be like these fancy nights and these big like matching swimsuits on vacation (laughs) in Mexico and uh, being invited to these big parties. And we think that's going to be the key. But can I like the funnest night that I've had in like the last year was probably we invited some friends over. And it was like last minute and I did not want to cook. And so I was like, you've got to bring your own meal. (laughs) I'll have appetizers. I'll have drinks, but you've got to bring your own meal for your kids and for us. And the kids played and ran around and we played cards and ate. And it was so fun. And it's just funny how you think it's going to be these big fancy things and it's got to be extravagant, but it never is. It's always the simple moments that mean the most. It's always like those impromptu casual nights where you really get to know people. Yeah. We we lived in our camper for like a year and 
we just ended up, this was after we had kind of started, started investing in friendships and having people over every Friday night. So we're like, well, we are not going to stop. So we ended up just sitting outside under a tree at a picnic table using paper plates and eating with our friends and having a fire. And it was the best. That's was good. Best. I was about to say, well, surely you can meet, invite people over to your camper and by golly, you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's always, I think it's fear, honestly, the, yeah. the desire to make everything perfect and beautiful and filtered and like, oh my gosh, what if they find out I have seven junk drawers? They're not going to like me anymore. Like there's just this fear and it's not, everyone has a junk drawer, I hope. But even if they don't, everybody has flaws. Everybody has messes. Everybody has that. And that's actually what connects us. Yeah. So taking the pressure off, like you don't have to be perfect. Yeah. You don't have to cook some amazing meal in order for people to want to be your friend. You know what's good? Box brownies. Box brownies are amazing. Yeah, every time. Very uncomplicated. Little Caesar's Pizza. Box brownies. Yeah. Yes. Little Caesar's Pizza, also golden. And I, I know I thought, well, I'm so worried people will talk bad about me. What if they talk bad about me? What if they go and tell everybody that my couch smells a little bit like dog pee? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then I got to a place where I thought, you know what? So what if they tell people I didn't do it? That's not me. Shame on them for talking yeah. bad about me. Like, I'd rather be awkward than rude. I'd rather be like have the couch that smells that bad than be rude, than be the one who was gossiping and talking bad about people. So let them talk. Let them talk. As long as I opened up with an open heart and I did my part. eh, And more than likely, once they left that couch, they have not thought one little blip about it. (laughs) You know, I hope not. I don't know. I try try, try to clean it and spray it, but you know, dogs, (laughs) they they were just happy to be there and have some snacks. (laughs) I I go to someone's house. One of my friends and I have this thing where like, she's like, you can come over, but I got to tell you right now, I'm not cleaning anything. And I'm like, you better not. Yeah. I want to see it in all its glory. Yes. And I'll come and I always tell my friends, I'm like, I never feel anything but relief yeah. when I see a mess. And relief. What? I have a twinsy house with you. <laughs> I have a laundry pile just like your laundry pile. Yeah. Like I only ever feel like, oh, I'm never like, yeah, I'm not coming back here right. because your couch smells like pee. <laughs> I never think okay. that. If people ever apologize for their house, I say, don't worry, I feel right at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah right? exactly. Exactly. Well, and it's not like this moment of like, how dare your house look like it's been lived in. No, <laughs> it looks like it's been lived in. It's supposed yeah. to. It's a house. You're supposed to live we in it. We do, in fact, live here. We do. We do. It's not a museum. Nope. Yeah. I always think about like the history of hospitality, you know, and like think about villages of centuries. It's a thing. It's how we connect and we invite people over and we break bread together. And it's such a beautiful, and I don't think, I don't know if it's new or if this has always been a thing to have the idea that has to be clean or whatever, or just Pinterest did that to us. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, I think that there's such a beautiful thing about, yeah, yeah. I think that's a fairly new thing because a long time ago, living in those villages, you didn't have enough stuff to be messy. Yeah. So it couldn't be messy because you didn't own enough. And you had a dirt floor, so it's yeah, yeah. Like, your door was yeah. open all the time, and yeah, the, there was nothing, there was nothing to. Clean. So no one cared. You just came Nobody over cared. and you broke bread and you stayed up talking, and it was beautiful and wonderful. And we all craved that. And I don't think that in us has changed. No, nope. and I've actually given a whole speech on that. That's one of my big things: is that 
technology has changed dramatically and quickly and evolved. And the way we live has evolved. You know, there were no, like now, my word, you can park in your garage, go in your house. You can go years without even seeing the person who lives next door to you. That's Mm -hmm. new. And so the way we live has evolved drastically, but our brains are still wired for those village days. Our brains are still wired for that same kind of, we raise our kids together and we go through these stages together and we do all of life. We do our laundry together. We do everything together. Our brains are wired to want that. Yeah. So our brains haven't evolved nearly as fast as our way of living. And so that's where I, I believe this big disconnect comes from. And so how do we live now? Because I'm not giving up. I still want a garage, you know, I still want a garage. (laughs) But how do I live now, but sort of have the connection we had back then? So that's going to be hard to find. It's going to be hard to do, but it's possible. It's just intentionality, you know, because, yeah, we're not going to the well to get your water every day. You're not, you know, in the field doing in the streams, doing your laundry and stuff. But yeah, but you have a phone. You have friends that, you know, that just need to be text and invited to taco night or whatever it is. I know. Yeah. I always say that one of my goals, one of my dreams is to start a laundromat and call it the river. And because women used to wash their clothes together in the river, that's what they did every day. They spent time together washing their clothes. And there's this, I'm not going to go into all that, but there's this, anyways, you can cut that part out. (laughs) No, I like it. Keep going. (laughs) Okay. Well, these women, there's a story and we think it's Brene Brown who told us we can't find it, but it's the story of these women used to wash their clothes in the river together every day. Okay, they'd go down and they'd wash and it was it took a, a large portion of their day, but this is what they did and they did it together. Well, then they got washing machines and it was supposed to make their life so much better. Things were supposed to be so convenient now. They weren't going to have to haul all their laundry. They weren't going to have to spend all this time. Well, after the washing machines came about, bouts of depression broke out mm. among the women and they couldn't figure out why. And they thought, oh my gosh, these washing machines are evil. And obviously they're not evil. It's a machine. But what was happening is women weren't spending time together anymore and they missed it. They missed the time. So that's why I like have this dream of like opening a laundromat because what is one of the things that everybody has to do? Laundry. Laundry. We all have to do laundry. We have to do it. So I'm like, what if I just open a spot? It's a laundromat, but there's also like, you can get pedicures in there. You can get (laughs) coffee. You can go and like really like, have some time with your friends, but you're also feeling productive and getting this stuff done. And we're just going to call it the river and like make it like a cool hangout spot. It's like force women that together. That's very cute. I love that. I love Have it I never too. told you that before? No. Oh. Yeah. The river so coming to a city near you. The river. <laughs> Come and do your laundry with your friends because you're doing it anyways. I'm doing it anyways. I'm doing it anyways. There's a study that I think Amy found from Jeffrey Hall is a study on friendship and it says it takes about 200 hours to grow a deep friendship. So that's a lot of hours. That's a lot but of if hours. we can include people in our daily lives, if we can even run errands together, you have to look at every single meetup, even if it is awkward, as an investment towards deep friendship because every deep friendship takes that much time. So if you have a two hour coffee and you're just, you're still, it's a little awkward and you're still getting to know each other. Don't sweat it. Don't overthink it. Just keep moving forward and keep like, let's go to Costco together. Let's, let's, let's do our laundry together. Yeah. Let's play That's cards together. Let's do something, something. 
together. Do not overthink it. No, don't overthink it. Mm-mm. If it's clearly not a connection, that's okay to move on and invite someone else to do something. But if you feel like there's something there, don't overthink it. Keep investing. Oh, my brain is going. Yeah, like people you work out with, people you yes. carpool with. Like, yeah, yep. just yeah, like really little things add up and make a huge difference. Like huge, but it has to be very intentional. You have to very specifically crave it and want it and protect it. I think that's a big thing too, is you do have to protect it because life is going to come at you. And when something matters to you, kind of build a wall around it. You're like, no, 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 but this is mine. And so even throughout this whole process, you know, Justin and I've talked about this so many times because writing a book is, believe it or not, it's hard. (laughs) It's very hard. And doing it while you're raising a family is harder. And then doing it while you have all these online social media channels that you're also having to give into is hard. It's a lot. And so one of the things that I'm I'm genuinely, I think I'm proudest of Jess and I for is we've kept our friendships with each other. But that one, obviously, we're our friendship with each other because it's also business. But like our the people that we have in our life, our real life friends, I was like, we've kept those intact and we've protected those. And I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud that we did that and didn't trade in. I would never want to write a book on friendship and be like, yeah, but in the process, I lost my friends. Right. And in the process of writing this book on friendship, I place success above people. And so Jeff and I both have been like, like on Fridays, Jess and her friends have nacho night and she's doing it every Friday, every Friday. Like whatever, if we don't post that day, she doesn't post, she doesn't post. If she doesn't have anything to write, she doesn't write. She's doing nacho night. And Tuesday, I have coffee with my friends. And throughout this whole thing, like everybody knows, like I won't do interviews on Tuesday. I won't do anything on Tuesday because I'm going to coffee with my friends no matter what. And it was just, just, it's that intentional, I'm going to build it. Intentional and it's it's protecting it. It's protecting Because we've treated friendship like it's this like extra luxury for a very long time, but it's not. For your health. For your quality of life, close relationships is very, very important. What's that statistic? It's like it's like smoking 15, 15 cigarettes, cigarettes a, day. a day to not have any friendships. So it's actually important. Yeah. Actually One of the biggest matters. indicators of your lifespan is... Uh, yeah. I read that. Someone said, and there's a doctor on record for saying if he had a patient come in, smoker, obese like all of these, you know, huge risk factors, but was lonely, the number one thing they could do to, for their health immediately was get them around friends. Yeah. yeah I yeah. can attest to that too. I had, when I was like 15, 16, I had a really bad eating disorder. But honestly, that was completely born. We had moved. I was really lonely and it was completely born out of loneliness. And you know what? I had to go see a nutritionist. I had to go see a counselor. I had to go see a doctor for weigh-ins because they're like, if we don't do this, you're going to have to be put in like a rehab facility. But you know what actually healed me is I got my first job and I started making friends and I felt connected and I laughed with people and belonged somewhere. And I just started naturally healing. Like it became a non issue. So I can definitely attest to that like loneliness. And the crazy thing about it is if you're in depression or loneliness or struggling, it makes you want to isolate even more. But the antidote is really connection. I made myself in, um, when I had my first son, I had no idea what to expect as a first time mom. And he had colic and he cried all the time, like just constantly cried. And I had no idea what I was doing. And I lived in a town where I didn't have any friends. My family didn't live there. My husband was going to school 
and studying like starting at 6 a.m. and he'd come home at 8 p.m. I mean, that that's what he did. And it was the hardest time in my life. And I was not the hard, I don't know. I've been through some hard times, but that one was one of the hardest times. And I was so depressed. I didn't even know I was depressed and I was depressed and I was sleep deprived and I was lonely. And I had this baby who spit up on me constantly and I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to do anything. I smelled disgusting and I looked really gross and my pants didn't fit anymore. And I, the last thing I wanted to do was go out. But the worst that I got, the one thing that I finally realized, and it did make a huge difference and not that go see your doctor, please get professional help. If you need it, please, please, please get professional help. But one of the things that I did do myself is I forced myself to get out every single day, no matter what. And sometimes that meant that I would go to Target and just try to be kind to like the cashier. And that Mm -hmm. made a big difference in how I felt. And then sometimes I was like, no, 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 no. I have not showered in one week and I have lost my toothbrush (laughs) and I don't even know where it is. And I don't think I care, but I'm going to go to Sonic and get a drink. And just so I'm out and have some interaction with people did really help because we need people. I mean, we're created for connection and we can pretend like we don't want it all we want to. And we can pretend like we're so tough and we're so guarded that we don't need it. We don't need anybody. We can do this by yourself. Okay. That is better if you do it with people. It's a lot better. It's better if you let people in. It's hard, but you were genuinely created for it. Yeah. It's not about your opinion. It's about your design. It is. Yeah. You are designed for it. So you can say whatever you want to. You can build whatever walls you kind of want to. You can pretend all you want to. You're a social creature. You're a human. You're a social creature. Justin, Amy, tell us about how people we can find out about Sister I Am With You because it sounds amazing. I mean, Sister I Am With You. Yeah. So there you go. Now we know. (laughs) Yeah. Sister I Am With You is on, on Facebook, Instagram. We love it there. It's a really fun space. And I mean, it's the women that are on that page too that make it that way that are just encouraging and there for the real. And then we also have our own pages, Amy Weatherly on Facebook and Instagram and Jess Johnston on Facebook and Instagram. We'll make sure we link the book because that's super exciting. The book, we're so excited. Like we poured into this book. We love the book. Yeah. And it's so funny to me. The response has been... Amazing so far, like overwhelming. Had no idea it was at number seven on all of Amazon yesterday. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, like what is happening? But people keep telling us they're like, yeah, I just cried the whole way through it, and I'm like, well, we kind of made it to be funny. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we did you laugh? But did you also laugh? Because, but it's just funny because we hit on these nerves. People are lonely. People are insecure. People are. They want it so women want it so bad, but they just clearly that's the response that I keep getting is, oh, my gosh, I started crying in chapter one and I just never stopped. And it's not because it's a sad book. It is very encouraging and uplifting. (laughs) And we were very intentional about being like, let's make this funny and enjoyable to read. But it's just hit a nerve where we're like, wow, okay, women, we really we need each other. Yeah, we got to do some healing because we have we all are carrying some major hurts. Yeah, we all yeah. need to do some healing. So I hope that this book brings some healing and some encouragement yeah. and just some hope that you can learn to be a good friend. You can. Yeah. And you can yeah. build you can build good friendships. If you weren't born, you know, with family friends, that's fine. You can build it. Yeah. It's accessible to everybody. Like friendship is accessible and it's possible for everyone. Yeah. 
I'm so excited for everyone to get their hands on this and be intentional about friendships. You know, as we said, what a gift to your health, what a gift to yourself and the friends around you, because as you, you know, get the benefit, they do too. So what a wonderful, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Sometimes people feel selfish, especially when you have a family, like, oh, I feel selfish for taking time away from my kids. And I feel selfish for taking time away from my husband. I'll tell you, my husband loves when I go on a girl's night because I come home and I'm in such a good mood and I'm just happy. And I'm just like, it's a different, not a different me, but it's just a little, I feel a little lighter and it makes me a better mom. If you want to teach your kids to have good friendships, don't just talk about it. Show them, show them how to have good friendships. So we all feel selfish for it. And I don't know, I don't know why. I mean, nobody's going out every night. You know, you're not going out all the time. You're not spending all of your time with this, but Every once in a while, a girl's night is just good for your soul. Amen. It is. <laughs> I just went on one recently, uh, last weekend, actually. So I can attest. Amen. Was, we had so much fun. Yeah. I is. feel like one of the biggest gifts is that it makes everything that is ridiculous and annoying and frustrating in your life really funny. Like you can laugh together about it. You can't do that. But it's not the same by yourself. Yeah, totally. Well, I'm so thankful. Also, the timing, you know, like you probably weren't thinking about it book on friendship, perhaps pre-pandemic, maybe you were, but I'm so glad that it came now. What a blessing. Well, we started, we started the whole process literally the week that the pandemic started. Like we oh, started, wow. yeah, like we were together working on it and the whole world shut down when we were together. So we were working on it pre-pandemic. It did just happen. Like it was, we felt this nudge because some people wanted us to wait. There were some publishers and some agents who were like, yeah, we'll work with you, but we think we need to wait until we grow this. And there was something in us that was like, uh-uh, it needs to be now. I don't know why, but it needs to be now. And then the pandemic happened. We were like, oh, oh my that's gosh. why. That's why. Yeah. yeah. How about that for God's timing? Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah. He knows things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amy and Jess, what a privilege to meet you through the online world. And I can't wait to share this episode and help everyone get some better friendships and realizing the value it is. And like you said, it's not extra. It's like, it's so important. Yep. It really is. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for being here, ladies. I'm over here giving you a virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Would you help a sister out and take a screenshot right wherever you're listening and share it on your social? Give me a tag at Katie Wilmer Life so I can give you a big thank you. You sharing it, you leaving your reviews on iTunes is the best possible compliment you can give. Hey, let's continue to hang out. We have a private community called Truth For Your 20s over on Facebook. So just go to groups, search Truth For Your 20s and come join the party.